couple of years ago, we decided to install a six-foot vinyl fence in our backyard. And because I tend to be overconfident and stingy, I thought I'd do the work myself. Now, as time was approaching, I realized quite how out of my depth I was going to be in doing this. So I reached out to a friend who used to be a general contractor, and I said, is there any chance you could kind of come and project manage this thing for me? And graciously, he said, I'll give you a couple of days of my time. So we came over on a Thursday night. We marked out where the fence was going to go. 20 uh, holes that we needed to dig for the, the uh, fence posts. They were two feet deep. So we marked those all out. Friday morning, we were there early. We had a, a big group of guys with a bunch of post hole diggers. And I thought, let's, let's get after this. I think we can have these d holes dug pretty quick with the amount of muscle that we've got going here. Well, I was wrong. The first eight inches of each hole was relatively easy, and then we hit hard pan. Dunk! We were not going anywhere. And try as we might, there was nothing we could do with those fence hole diggers. So we gave in, and we called up a rental company, and we rented an auger. Uh, I, I, I called them up, and I, I said the English way of saying it, which is auger, and they said, you want a what? I actually have to have it written down here how to say it the American way. A-A-G-R. Ah, grr. Okay, I've got it. <laughs> and this thing uh, was seriously heavy duty. You had to tow it on the back of the truck. And we thought we'd be cooking with gas now. But as you can see in this video, even with this huge, big, heavy duty, ah, grr, we couldn't make more than a couple of inches progress before it would get stuck. And we'd have to come back up. And then to make matters worse, we, after a few minutes of trying this, the bolt that connected the Argus screw to the rest of the assembly just sheared in half. We were looking kind of desperate at this point. In fact, someone suggested half-jokingly that instead of digging 24-inch holes, we just dig eight inch holes and cut the bottom 16 inches off of the fence posts. And I kind of half considered it at that point with how things were looking. But then I remembered Pacific Northwest windstorms. And I thought, that fence isn't going to stand a chance. A six foot fence with only eight inches underground, it's not going to stand a chance when that wind starts blowing. And so we called up the rental company. They said, we got another bolt. We went and got it. We came back and we set to. But even then, oh my word, it was hard work. We settled on this technique of like going down two inches and then we'd lift the auger out and we'd get a post hole digger and we'd get rid of all that clay that had been churned up and then we'd get back in another two inches. Let me tell you, it was 45 minutes a hole. It took us two whole days to dig the holes out for this fence. Unbelievable. But now we have a beautiful fence, and no windstorm has broken it down. Now imagine for a second that this fence represents your life. And just like for my fence, in our lives we all face many storms. As Nikki Gumbel writes, they will come in many forms, misunderstandings, disappointments, unfulfilled longings, doubts, trials, temptations, setbacks, and satanic attacks. Success, too, can be a test. There's also pressure, suffering, sickness, bereavement, sorrow, trauma, tragedy, persecution, and failure. How will your life stand up to these storms? Is your foundation dug deep like that of my fence? Or did you 
cut the bottom off of your fence posts and build directly onto the hard pan. Today, I hope you will discover what it looks like to build your life in such a way that you can weather the storms that will come your way. My name's Ellis, I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to Chapel Hill, whether you are joining us here in person or you are joining us online. We are our series through Luke's Gospel, one of the graphical accounts we have of Jesus' life. And this week we conclude what is known as the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. If you have a Bible, you can grab it right now. We're in Luke chapter 6, and you can turn there. It's also going to be on the screen. This is Luke's account of some of Jesus' most important teaching. And it concludes with Jesus' answer to the question, how can I weather the storms of life? How can I build my life in such a way that I can withstand the trials that will come my way? So hear what Jesus says now in Luke 6, verse 46 and following. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus here paints a picture of two different types of people. One who builds a house by digging deep and laying a foundation, and one who just lays it straight on top of the hard pan. Sound familiar? Like my fence? The first home is able to weather the storm, And the second falls, and Jesus says, the ruin of that house is great. It's a fantastic picture, and Jesus is using it to make an important point. He's saying there are two types of people in this world. The first who build a proper foundation for their lives that will weather the storm, and the second who don't and build right on the hard pan, and life takes them by surprise, and they get knocked down. And he is implicitly asking us this pointed question, which of these two people are you? Now, I'm going to assume that no one here wants to be the second person. I'm going to assume that that everyone wants to be that first man who built a strong foundation and weathered the storms of life. And if so, that begs the question, how do we do it? How do we build that strong foundation to weather the storms? Well, Jesus gives us the answer to that in verse 47. This is what he says. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them. Can you see the three action words there? Comes, hears, and does. Jim Edwards in his commentary points out these are the three things, the three key ingredients to a strong foundation in Christ that will weather the storms of life. Come to Jesus Hear what he says and do his will. Come, hear, and do. Let's take a look at each one of those in turn. First, come. It all starts with relationship. 
The first thing we need to do if we're going to build a strong foundation is we need to come to Jesus. We can't do either of the next two things. We can't hear Jesus' words properly, and we can't do his will unless we first come to him in relationship. Last week, I loved it when Pastor Mark was explaining what it looks like to love our enemies, and his final point was, it is impossible. And that is true. Outside of a relationship with Christ, it is impossible to love our enemies. But with Christ, all things are possible. We cannot do what Jesus is asking us to do outside of relationship with him. And he illustrates this further in the preceding verses by using the image of a tree. Take a look at verse 43. Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. One time I was leading a group down to Phoenix to share about Jesus on the campus of Arizona State University. And while we were there, we pulled into a parking lot and there was an orange tree right there in the parking lot. Now, myself and a couple of others in our group, we'd never picked fruit from an orange tree, peeled it, and ate it. And so we thought, let's do it. So we grabbed a piece of fruit. This was the reaction. Let's just zoom in on Eric's face there. Yeah. Disgusting. Jesus says you will know a tree by its fruit. If a tree has good fruit, then you know it's a good tree. If it has bad fruit, you know it's a bad tree. That is a bad tree. If the tree is good, it's going to produce good fruit. If the tree is bad, it's going to produce bad fruit. And Jesus goes on to say the same thing about our lives. Fruit is like our words and our actions. It's what, we, uh, what other people see, what other people hear, maybe even taste. But what determines our words and actions is our identity, what kind of tree that we are. And here's the very, very important point Jesus is making. Don't miss this. Who you are determines what you do. You don't get figs from a thorn bush, he says. You don't get grapes from a bramble bush. You don't get good fruit from a bad tree. If you want good fruit, you need a good tree. If you want to do good, you need a good identity. Who you are determines what you do. But here's the thing. In and of ourselves, none of us are good. The Apostle Paul writes, quoting the Psalms, none is righteous, no, not one. In and of ourselves, we are not good. And we know this, right? Deep down, we do. We, we know this, actually, because we see it in our children. They have a bent and a proclivity to do wrong. And if you don't know that, then you haven't parented a preschooler. Just you wait, Pastor Gunner. In and of ourselves, we are not good trees. We bear bad fruit. Therefore, we need a new identity. 
And if we come to Jesus, he offers us just that. The Apostle Paul writes again, this time to the Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, if anyone is in in relationship with Jesus, if anyone has come to Jesus and invited him to be Lord of their life, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If we weather the storms of life, if we're to build a strong foundation, it must start by coming to Jesus and allowing him to make us new. By entering into relationship with him. And we do that in and through a sacrificial death for us on the cross. It's not through any merit of our own, but through him alone. And through that, we are given a new identity, new life. He pours out his Holy Spirit upon us and calls us, adopts us as his sons and his daughters. And out of that identity, out of that, that new life that we have, that new creation, we can bear good fruit. But it all starts with coming. And so I don't want to assume anything today. I don't want to assume that every person in this room has, has come to Jesus already. And so I want to ask the question, have you come to Jesus? Have you asked him to be the Lord of your life? If not, do so today so that you can start to build a strong foundation that can weather the storms of this life. So first, Jesus says we must come to him. Second, in order to weather the storms of life, we must hear his words. If we're to build a strong foundation on Jesus, we must not only come to him, but listen to what he says. Before the image of a tree, Jesus says this, verse 39, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, in first century Israel, where Jesus was speaking these words, the search for water was a constant struggle. The land is is dry and arid, and, and so people would often dig wells to find water, so much so that the land was kind of pockmarked with the pits and cisterns. Some of them are still being found today, such as this one that was hiding under a playground in Jerusalem. It contains an Olympic sized cistern underneath it. You don't want to fall into that. As such, you can imagine how ridiculous it would have been to have a blind person lead a blind person. A blind person needs a person with sight to lead them. And Jesus goes on to use this metaphor to make a point. And the point is that students can't learn more than their teachers. Just like a blind person can't gain knowledge of what the landscape looks like from another blind person, so students, those who are following, they're limited by the knowledge of the person who's teaching or leading them. If the blind person follows a blind person, they can't gain any more knowledge than they already have. But if the blind person follows a person with sight, then listen to them and avoid the potholes. Let me demonstrate this for you. I have two willing volunteers, Jeff and Aaron. Why don't you come up? Willing being the uh, operative word there. I approached them before the service and said, I need you to come forward. And they did say yes, I believe. Here, I want you to use these to blindfold yourselves. This is Jeff. This is Aaron. And while you're doing that, 
I'm actually going to make life a little bit more difficult for you because I have some things back here that are going to make it a little harder for you to do what I'm going to ask you to do. So, Jeff and Aaron, one of you is going to follow and the other one is going to lead. You want to lead, Jeff? Sure. Yeah, okay, all right. So I'm going to spin you around so that you have no idea where you are, okay? All right. And then I want you to grab Aaron's hand and here's where I want you, I want you to take him to the far corner of the stage where the musicians come in and out, where those curtains are, okay? You've got you to lead him. He's not leading you, okay? Yeah, blind leading the blind. And Jesus is making the point that this is what it's like in our life if we try to follow other humans. We are blind and other humans are also blind. And if we try to follow them, it is likely that we will stumble, maybe even trip, hopefully not, and fall because we don't have any more knowledge than anyone else. All right, stop right there before we do any damage and we get in trouble with the tech team. Um, Rick, why don't you come and help me, okay? Rick, for the purposes of this illustration, is going to be Jesus. Now, Rick, I don't want you to get any ideas about this, okay? But here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab Aaron's hand, and Jeff, you can just stay right there and let go, okay? You're, you, you're done for now. You didn't do a very good job. I'm sorry. And Rick, I want you to lead Aaron over to that curtain over there. Do you think you can do that for me? Yeah? Go ahead. Let's make it happen. Okay, Jesus is saying, if you follow another human, you're not going to make it. But if you follow me, I have vision and insight that goes beyond other human beings. And I am going to enable you to navigate through all that life throws at you. I can see things that you can't. I can warn you of dangers as and when they come and I can lead you. Fantastic, can we say thank you to these guys? Well done. Appreciate it. Thanks. I'll give those scarves back to my wife now. I'll wash them first. So first, we have to come to Jesus. Second, we have to listen to his words. Why? Because Jesus has vision and insight that we don't. And here's the amazing thing. The most amazing thing, Jesus has revealed to us all the vision and insight that we need to be mature and complete in his word, the Bible. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about the words that are in this book. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or the messenger of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If we want to be equipped for every good work, for whatever life throws at us, if we want to be completely prepared, we need to listen to Jesus' words, which are found in this book. The psalmist writes, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Literally, your word is like a flashlight that lights up the darkness so that I can see where it is that I need to go. The words of the Bible, Jesus' words, guide us and lead us through the challenges of this world. And that's why we preach from the Bible here at Chapel Hill. When we stand up here on Sunday, we are preaching from God's word to you. 
These are not things that we come up with. This is what Jesus has revealed to us in his word. And if we want to weather the storms of life, we must listen to Jesus's words. So how are you doing at that? Well, you're listening to this, which is great. But what about tomorrow? What about Tuesday, Wednesday? Who or what are you going to listen to this week? Whose words are you going to be hearing? Whose words are you going to be listening to? Whose words are going to be intentionally or unintentionally guiding you through the life that you're living? The words of this world cannot do what God's word can. God's word guides us and leads us and lights the way. The wisdom of this world is foolishness. So I invite you, read God's word, study God's word, memorize God's word, talk about God's word with your family and other Christian brothers and sisters. And if you don't even know where to start, I'd suggest a reading plan. And the easiest way you can get hold of a reading plan is to download an app called the YouVersion Bible app, Y-O-U version Bible app. There's a plans tab at the bottom. Pick a plan and start. Read the Bible. Get into the daily habit and daily rhythm of Jesus' words. He has insight beyond anyone else. He's not the blind leading the blind. He's the one with sight leading us who are blind through this life. So, how do we weather the storms of this life? First, come to Jesus. Second, hear his words. And third and finally, Jesus says, do. Do his word. Come here and do. And notice that this is the third of the words that Jesus uses. I think that order is very intentional. It's only when we have first come to Jesus and we've received that new identity, we're a new creation in Christ, and then we've listened to his words, we've heard what he has to say, we've given ourselves the knowledge that then we can carry it out. The, the, the coming to Jesus, it gives us the power, the power of his Holy Spirit comes upon us. And then the hearing of his words gives us the knowledge of his will. And when we combine the power and the knowledge, we can actually do his will. We can put it into practice. And in this passage that we're looking at in the Sermon on the Plain, a little earlier on, there are four specific ways that Jesus calls us to do his will. I mean, there's lots of ways throughout Scripture, but we're going to look at these four because that's where we are today. So we're in verse 37, and Jesus says four things. First, judge not and you will not be judged. Second, condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Third, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Fourth, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus uses another image that would have been familiar to his first century listeners. It's it's that of a person who, who gathers up his or her garment to receive a quantity of grain. Okay, the people at the time wore an outer garment with a fold in it that was kind of a, a pocket, and when grain was measured out to a person, it was placed in the lap of their garment. And here Jesus says, the person receiving the grain has been given a, a good measure, a healthy dose, and then it's pressed down, and it's shaken together so that it gets into all the gaps and, and crevices of the material, 
and still, Jesus says, it flows out over the top. It's an image of abundance. And Jesus is saying, our God is a God of abundance who will pour out his grace and mercy generously. More generously than we can possibly imagine. And if that's so, if that's true, if that's the God we serve, we should likewise be generous. If we've received much from the Lord, we should give much to others. And not just give financially, but be generous in our judging of others and our condemning of others and our forgiving of others. We are to live generous lives, looking favorably upon others, because God has shown favor to us. Let's see how this works in each of those four action steps that Jesus calls us to, those four commands. First, judge not. We're to give people the benefit of the doubt in our judgment of them. Why? Because God has overlooked our sins and has judged Jesus in our place. God doesn't judge us, he judges Christ, so we in turn should not judge others. Second, condemn not. We're not to condemn others when they fall short. Why? Because God has not condemned us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If God doesn't condemn us, Jesus says we should not condemn others. Third, forgive. We to forgive others when they hurt us. Why? You get in the picture? Because God forgave us. In and through the work of Jesus on the cross, we find forgiveness. And fourth, we're to give generously. Why? Because God did not withhold his son from us, but gave him that we might find in him eternal life. Don't judge, don't condemn, forgive, give. It's really easy to say, isn't it? It's really hard to do. Many of us have been deeply hurt by others. Perhaps by a close friend, family member, a work colleague, spouse, even a child. Relationships are messy and they can be incredibly painful. Choosing not to judge someone or not to condemn someone who's clearly done something wrong or choosing to forgive someone who has hurt us, maybe even intentionally, or choosing to to give freely to someone who's taken from us. That is really, really hard. And yet, That's the kind of life Jesus calls us to live. And it's the life he lived for us. We have sinned. We deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. We do not deserve forgiveness. We do not deserve God's gifts. And yet, we do not get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Our God is a God who delights in showing mercy. And God calls us to behave the same way towards others. We are called to do God's will in this way. Remembering it's only possible because we've come to Jesus. 
We've got the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We can't, can't do this ourselves. It's God's Spirit at work through us, bearing fruit in our lives that does this. And so Jesus asks you today, who have you been judging? Who have you been condemning? Who have you not forgiven? To whom have you not given? And what might he be calling you to do about it? So, to sum up, how do we weather the storms of life? By building a strong foundation on Christ. And Jesus tells us we do this in three ways. Come, hear, and do. We come to Jesus, allow him to transform us, renew us, become a new creation in Christ, pour out his spirit upon us, transform our identity so that we can bear fruit first come. Second, hear. We hear his words to us so that we're not blindly walking around in life or the blind following the blind, but we're following the one who has sight. And third, we do his will. We're generous to others because God has been generous to us in Christ. And I wonder which of those three, come here and do, which most strikes a chord with you today? Perhaps you need to come to Jesus and receive that new life. If so, I invite you to come. In a moment, we're going to pray, and I'll lead you in a prayer to do just that. Maybe you need to commit to hearing God's words and reading the Bible on a regular basis. If so, make a plan. Make a plan for how you're going to do that. Or maybe, third, you, you need to do His will and act generously towards someone in your life who maybe has hurt you. Whatever God might be calling you, come, hear, or do, I want to invite you to bring it to the Lord in prayer right now. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that your mercy and justice meet on the cross of Jesus Christ. That the just judge was judged in our stead. Christ bore our sin for us. He was judged in our place and that as a result we receive the judgment that he alone deserved. That we are called your sons and your daughters adopted into your family, loved, chosen, we're given a new identity, new life. You pour out your spirit upon us. Such grace. And Lord, if there is anyone here who has not yet come to you to receive that, Lord, I pray for them right now that you would be speaking to them. And if that's you and you want to do that, just pray to the Lord right now. You can echo these words in your heart after I pray them. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry that I've been walking through life following the blind. Thank you that you've made a way for me to be changed and transformed and made new. Please send your spirit that I may be empowered to do your will. Maybe there are others of us here, Lord, who recognize that we have been listening to the words of the world whatever that might be, whether it's 
social media or the news or our friends or peers or colleagues. And Lord, we've not been listening to your words. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to make a plan to change who we're listening to. You would encourage us, your spirit would inspire us to dig into your word, to hear your words and your insight that we might not walk through life blindly, but that we might have true vision through Christ. And lastly, Lord, for those of us who you are calling to be more generous in our relationships to others, pray that you would give us love, supernaturally give us love for those who've hurt us. Where humanly it seems impossible, you can do the impossible. Not by strength, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Holy Spirit, we need you to enable us to judge not, to condemn not, to forgive and to give. Pour out your spirit upon us, fill us up, and use us, we pray. And we know this is only possible in and through Jesus Christ. And so we close our service together by singing those words that declare, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and stand as we close our service in song together.
Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. Our worship services are Sundays at 9 and 10.30. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.